Hi everybody, welcome to Season 3, Episode 12 of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry Podcast with me, Philip Eidson, and Darren McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United. And a defeat for you at the weekend, uh, 3-1 to Wickham. Tell me about it. Well, since the last podcast, we obviously had a comfortable win on Tuesday, which was good. So I've got to have some positives there. I've got to give myself... You know, it just it just ruins your weekend, doesn't it? It just, you know, what can I say? For 30 minutes, we were brilliant. And then the worst thing that happened was we scored. <laughs> it's weirdly, it sounds weird, like completely dominant. Um, but I guess the most frustrating thing for me at the moment, and I have to be careful because I don't want to be overcritical. The most frustrating thing for me is you got to be able to keep your best 11 fit. you got to keep, and that's no fault of anyone, by the way. This is bad luck, whatever, you know. Our front three was always in mind, Ricky, Poku, Clark Harris. I think they've played three, four league games together out of 14. And that's that's not going to do it. We have to keep them fit. We have to, those lads have to keep themselves fit. Um, and again, on Saturday, Poku's missing. Ricky goes down after 35 minutes, you know, with an ankle injury and comes off. Jack Taylor's missing for the game. Um, and look, everyone has injuries and it's a squad game. And I guess the the players who are coming in haven't stepped up yet, you know. And, and you know, we signed some very good players. And I guess now it's time for them to, they got to look in the mirror and they got they have to step up now. They have to make a difference, you know, because obviously they're going to get criticised. You know, Joel Randall uh, uh, was getting a lot of criticism after the game. Um, you know, and they have to help themselves. You know, you can defend them for so long, but they have to put a shift in. You know, they have to uh, put bodies on the line. You know, they have to score a goal, make a goal. You know, particularly in those areas where they were brought in for competition, where competition is meant to be fierce. Um, but it's one of them things where, what are we? We're nearly a third of the season in. And we've won over 50% of our games and we've lost, I think, 40, 45% of our games. But I think it's 70% of our away games we've lost. And, you know, on Saturday, it's probably the most experienced back four we've played. You know, and we concede, you know, headers, just silly goals. Silly goals. When you look at the experience in the back line, you're like, nah, it shouldn't be happening. You know, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's frustrating, you know, because, you know, they say about, you know, everyone will argue about recruitment and everything else, but like, you know, when you have a salary cap, when you have whatever else, you put a lot of money in certain areas, particularly those, those more experienced players are more expensive. So they have to earn their, and, and I don't want Alan Swan taking this that I'm slaughtering the team. I'm not, I don't want headlines. I don't want to be accused of derailing things, but at some stage, people who were paid well have to step up, you know, um, and that's the way it works in football. The more experienced players are on the, bigger contracts, the younger players are earning their contracts. Do you know what I mean? And, and you want that gel of the experienced players earn their crust and the young players earn new contracts and, and do better. That's how football, you know, in a perfect world works. And I guess at the moment, after a third of the season, you know, we're not quite there. We're not quite there. It's frustrating, um, you know, because you go on a run, you're unbeaten in five and you think, okay, here we go. You go to a Wiccan team who's not doing great. And yes, we all know that they're, they're going to be okay and they're a good League One team. And you go 1-0 up and you think, okay, full on the gas, here we go. And now it's, it, which has happened probably too many times this season, we've gone up, then full off the gas, then we've ended up losing those games and usually late. You know, I, I like it the other way, where you win games late. So for the next two thirds, we have to book those trends. You know, we have to dig in, we have to be more resilient, we have to dominate, you know, away teams, we have to score late goals. I want to see, a, I want to see a lot of late goals. You know, over the next you know two thirds of the season, because that's that's where you win promotion. 
that's where you're a really good team, where you're scoring in the last 15 minutes a lot of goals. Not conceding a lot of goals, concede, or scoring. And that's critical. So I would say there's a lot of stuff to be worked on. And we, we have to get key players fit. And we have to keep them fit. And again, that's no criticism of physiotherapists, of sports science, of training methods. Sometimes it's freaky. Sometimes you just can't get your best 11 out there all the time. You'd like to. You'd like to be able to, you know, if you ever look at good teams, you know, they have a, they have a spine, you know, of players that are always available. They're always in that 11. And that's just something at the moment we need to get over that bump. And, you know, God bless Ricky. He's been on the best run of form and fitness for a long time. And I saw an article during the week, and you know my superstition. He mentioned in the article, this is the fittest he's been. He's had no preseason injuries. He's had a run in the team. Bosch Saturday. And it, what I always say, you put it out there. Stop putting it out there. Stop. Ah! <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, I, I feel for the younger players as well. Because like I said to you, you want your experienced players to pop up. And the worst part about it is, whilst not playing great, whilst defensively giving away ridiculous goals and losing headers, you know, that you shouldn't lose and not marking people five yards from goal. Late in the game, Clark Harris is two yards out to score. It's on his left foot, you know, drags that wide. You know, Harrison, who's very good in the game, scored one, could have scored two goals. Uh, you know, so those, those little moments, the third goal, by the way, it wasn't a 3-1 game. They broke away when our goalie came up for the corner late in injury time and, you know, the rest is history. And, um, so yeah, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm really, really frustrated because you can't, your home form is not going to get, you know, get you promoted outright. You have to have a little bit of balance. When we got promoted before, we were okay away from home. We weren't fantastic, but we were fantastic at home, but we were okay. At the moment, we're not okay away from home. You know, we're, we're hit and miss, you know, and, and, you know, that has to improve. So I'm, you know, I, I feel we need to go on a, a five, six winning streak in the league, not cups in the league. We need to put five or six wins together, you know, to really see what we're made of, to really see. I want to see this team playing at the top of its confidence because I don't think we've seen it yet. And I think if we do, we might be different. So that's up to all the experienced players now. Like I said to you, the big hitters, you know, who, who take up a, a big part of your wage bill have to earn that right. And, you know, and, and that's to come. And there's some players in there you think, Jesus, they should be the best at this level. You know, with the experience, the level, the, the amount of games they play. And they're just not, not at the moment. So let's see. Now the, the important thing now is, is your, your, your Efron Clarks, your Randalls, your, your Ajibowies, this is their chance. You know, who, who might have been, well, we're not on the team or we can't get a game. Now you're going to get a chance. People are missing. You are going to get a chance. And whilst it might not come off you in a game, give it everything you've got. Like, leave it all out there. Our fans, you know, they can be critical. Some of them can be OTT, a small minority. But if they see you busting a gut, they're all for you. And I'll give an example. A lot of fans are very critical of Ricky J. Jones, forgetting his 19 because he's been around a long time. Moaning like, fuck, why is Marion on the team? Why is he in the team? He's been our best player the four, last four or five weeks. He's been sensational. Absolutely sensational. Adding assists, adding goals to his game. You know, super fit. Destroying defenders. And the waves turned with our fans. Now our fans are, are not going, well, you know, forget about Marriott. Marriott doesn't play in that position anyway, but there is no more of that talk with the mass majority. They are pro-Ricky, like they're pro-Harrison. That's where young players can get fans behind them, you know. Just give it everything you've got, you know. Just go right to the end. And I'm not seeing enough of that from some of the players who come on as subs or some of the players who, you know, who've caused a big investment. You know, it's time for them to pay that back now. 
and they can talk about pressure and everything else, but go out and play 90 minutes with your heart, put your body on the line, you know, and, and that's, that's how teams are successful. So let's see. The one thing I know is my manager wouldn't have slept till Saturday. That's the one thing I'll always like, you know, hold a little bit of solace that if I'm hurting and our fans are hurting, he's hurting more than anyone. So he, he will be racking his brains on how to fix these fundamentals that we keep making maybe the same mistakes over and over and over. Um, as well as staff, because they won't like what they saw on Saturday. They don't like losing battles. They're not that kind of management staff. They want to forget goals and flair. They want to see you win battles. You know, so, so that's something that's, let's say we got Wickham again tomorrow night in the cup. We'd like to do well in that cup. The FA Cup's around the corner. We'd like to do well in that. So the players really need to now put a line in the sand here and go, enough for making the same mistake. Stop with the late goals away from home after taking the lead. Stop being an easy, you know, um, what's the what's the right word for it? Going down too easy. You know, grind it out. Grind. It's okay sometimes to take a point away from home. You know, grind out results if you have to, you know what I mean? Nick the odd late winner, you know? But we have to book this trend because, you know, scoring late is a big, big, big part of a promotion team. And you look at other teams around the league, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, how many clean sheets are they having? You know, where they go 1-0 up and you see it come up on the TV and, you know, they're not going to concede a goal. Well, they're a good team, but we've got good defenders and they have to start showing that now. You know, if you're not your best attacking-wise, but your attackers give you that one-goal lead, okay, get a clean sheet, you know, finish the game off. So that's where I am at the moment. I'm not overly critical. I'm just overly maybe frustrated. Um, but this is football. And uh, maybe it was just one of them weekends. So I had one question just on what you were talking about, kind of the weekend's experience. Concentration or form, is that kind of where the issue, is there a difference between a lack of, because you talked about the defending, is there a difference between a lack of concentration versus, you know, you just need to play your way into some form? You know, I, you know, again, I'm, I, and I don't want to be overly critical. I feel like I want to be, but I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching some players who should dominate in the air. And I'm watching them like, and, and when they lose a header, which is usually a key one, it's where the other team ends up knocking it back and scoring because they, we've lost the first header. And then the worst part is you lose the second header. So you lose two in a row and then it ends up being a goal because you've lost two of the battles. Win one of the two, they don't score. You know, concentration. Yeah, you might be right. You're, you, you're dominating the game. Your defenders haven't got to defend that much. When you play a team like Wickham, you know the kind of game it's going to be, right? So you know what you've got to defend. You've got to defend the back stick. You've got to defend cross balls. You've got to defend crosses into the box. You've got to, you know, put your head on everything. You've got to keep an eye on Sam Vokes. You, you know all the key fundamentals. And I guess, I don't know, you'd have to ask some of the defenders who, who like I said to you, have been with us for a long time, who are very experienced, who just aren't doing that to the best of their ability. And it's not just one game. If you look at some of the goals, like the two goals against MK Don's conceded, sloppy. The goal against um, was it Burton that cost us a draw and we dominated in the game. Again, sloppy. Two headers missed against. Identical. I hate making the same mistakes twice. If you're looking at, oh, he scored from 25 yards. Oh, it was a defense-splitting pass that was just so good from a bit of quality. Oh, he dribbled around five players. If you look at that and you go, okay. But when you see some of the, you know, missing headers, losing your man, you know, a, a top striker on a team, free, four yards out. You know, to score, you know, those things or whatever else, they're, they're mistakes. And those mistakes, you know, they're a little bit too repetitive. So they're things you have to improve. Um, and, and that's something like, I'm, I, you know, I'm not talking about a lot of 19 and 20 year olds here. You know, I'm talking about 25, 26, 27, 20, you know, 30, you know, players with experience with promotions, you know what I mean? Like, you know, win your battles, 
win your fucking battles. Because when you lose battles, you lose football games a lot of the time. So they're the little things I'm talking about, you know what I mean? And, um, but yeah, look, that, that's down to the, you know, to the management staff, the players. And we have a big squad. So I guess if you keep making the same mistakes, I guess the law of averages of football is eventually you get replaced. So who knows? Um, we have a squad for a reason. Equally, like I was saying there about you get players that come off the bench and they see someone gets injured. There's your chance. There's your chance. You know that player's going to be out for three, four games. Come on and sparkle. Come on, don't shirk a challenge. Come on and give it your all. Even if it's not going off for you, do everything you can. And that's all people want to see. So they're those little things. But like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, they'll fix it. It's just a bit frustrating at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and I, I'm like a broken record where I'm like, you know, we'll, we'll fix it. You know, but we'll get there. You got Oxford away to put it right next week. Yeah, and they're you know they're a good team again. Another team that maybe not not shining as brightly. They had a great win on Saturday. You know, Carl. You know, good football team, good manager. And if we, you know, again, if we're not at it, you know, they'll beat us. And that's the problem. And I want to be going into away games feeling super confident. And at the moment, probably not quite as super confident as I'd like to be. And you know, that's down to the players to change that. So a lot of away teams probably look at it, look at the losses we've had, and go, right, here's kind of the the way to beat them. You know, stay in the game, stay in the game, stay in the game, and, and we'll get them, you know, at a certain period in the game, and, and, and they won't come back. So that's something we have to do. Only our players can change that. So enough about Peterborough. Um, let's talk Bradford so you can glorify and you win at the weekend, <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> well, isn't it funny, though, football and the roller coaster? Because last week on the show, I was telling you how much I hated football after we got beaten at home to Stockport. Um, yeah. And then a week later. Great win, though. Uh, yeah, Great beat, win. beat Salford away 1 0. Um, you know, we'd never even scored there before. It's been a place where we've gone and struggled. History maker. Yeah. So um, we deserved it. You know, it was a controlled performance. We probably played as well as we played all season. Um, they never really looked to have that much of a chance, except for they did have a, a shot on goal, which was, I think, pushed onto the bar a couple of minutes after we scored that bounced down. And from my eyes, it looked like it was three yards over. But, um, you know, nobody. maybe it was just the camera angle because there wasn't that much of a reaction in the ground. Um, so we maybe we got lucky. Maybe uh, it did bounce the right side of the goal line. Are they, are they a good team, Salford? Um, I think so. I mean, it was two good teams. I think two teams that will be up there um, towards the end of the season. But, you know, we did... We did to them what Stockport did to us the week before. So maybe we learned from that. You know, we went at them from the first minute. We had the high press. We didn't really give them much of a choice whenever, you know, they didn't get much of a moment on the ball. So they start to panic when they're getting it, trying to get it out. And um, and then once we got the ball, once we got the goal, we, you know, we gave them more possession, but we, you know, defended um, defended well. Cook's turned into your Clark Harris, hasn't he? I mean, he scored again. Um, that's 13, I think, now. Um, which Fantastic. You know, again, you look at him and you think he doesn't have the shape to be a professional footballer, um, but he's in the right place at the right time and is you know gets gets the ball in that area and he knows what to do with it. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, so happy days. I think it was a. But the the ironic thing I was thinking about this, you know, looking at the tables, and I know you don't really table watch, um, particularly at the moment. You know, you look at your weekend versus our weekend. We're both in fifth place. You know, here I am looking at, you know, what a good weekend it was. You're not so good of a weekend. But from a position perspective, you know, there's, um, I mean, you just want to be hanging there and thereabouts. I think for you, it's maybe a little bit more difficult because you've got Ipswich and um, uh, Plymouth who have gone on a tear and made more of a points gap. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that's that's where, you know, if you're, I didn't know we were fifth. But yeah, I mean, it's one of them where 
like I said, I don't table watch, but you don't want the top two to get away from you either. And I don't like the fact they're, you know, 10, 13, whatever points ahead. That, that's too much, you know, after 14 games. That, that's not good. You know, you know, where we wanted to be and what we wanted to do, we're way behind that. So we have a lot of catching up to do. And that's why I get pissed off every time we shit the bed, like on Saturday. Because every time you shit the bed, you're one bit, bit further away. Um, and there's a lot of good teams in our league. And if you look at Wednesday, Ipswich and Plymouth, God bless them. Phenomenal. You know, they're, they're out there on their own. And, you know, eventually it becomes unachievable. And then you're just in a melee. And I don't like that. And not with the, not with the investment, not with the cost of the squad, the wage bill we have. No, that's, that's not what we wanted. That's not what, where we should be. So that, that, there's the frustration sometimes with the results. Do you know what I mean? So, so, but look, it is what it is. You know, it's nothing seven, eight, nine wins in a row on picks. <laughs> so we got, uh, after we record, we got the FA Cup first round draw that's coming out. Any preferences at all? Or you just kind of take whatever you, uh, you get? As long as we get a home game, uh, you know, home game would be nice. Obviously, happy to get Wrexham because that means we'll be on TV. Yep. Wrexham with a new Salford. Um, you know, so everyone's throwing their checkbook at they them. They were on ESPN, weren't they? Yeah, I, I, I finished their series. I mean, they're making so much money, it's not even funny, you know. It's, but you, 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 you enviously look over there and go, you know, great, you know, to be able to run a club and basically bring in millions of sponsorship and TV deals, fair play. Um, you know, so, uh, when you see ESPN probably throw a 75 grand check, you know, at them, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see what comes next, you know, ESPN wise, are they going to keep going? So I guess if they win the replay, I'll happily take them at our place. We'll be on TV again. Yeah. For, uh, for us, I just want anybody who's going to give us a, uh, you know, maximize the opportunity of getting to the third round ultimately. And, and that's what we all want. That's what we all want. Listen, for us, it's about the money. You know, after the relegation we had and the cost and everything else and the kick and the bollocks we've had and a few things, we, we need a cup run. Um, you know, we're out of the League Cup early as usual. There ain't much money in that, but we'd like to get to the, you know, what we did last year in Man City and whatever. It'd be nice to bring in a million quid that's not in your budget to help make up some of the losses and deficits from a really good FA Cup run. So we're in exactly the same boat. I don't want to see us, you know, um, oh, resting 11 players in the FA Cup because we need to get through in those rounds. So on a happier talking point for you, the Liverpool-Man City game yesterday, and actually a couple of big wins Whee! for Liverpool. Whee! Is Mo Salah back? You know, it's really funny because I've been saying it for a few weeks, he needed to drop him, right? Yeah. And he dropped him against Rangers. And he comes off the bench and scores a hat-trick. So was I right? Was that the little shot in the arm that Mo needed? Maybe it did something for him. And then I was, then I was watching the game yesterday. My missus is behind me in the kitchen. And I'm absolutely cursing him out when he misses the one-on-one, the first one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, 500 grand a week, you're having a fucking laugh. You should be scoring that. You know, last year you'd scored out with your eyes shut. Blah, blah, blah. Then he scores. I'm like, Mo, you little beauty. <laughs> I'm like charging around the room. She's like, hang on a minute. You were just, I'm like, that's football. That's a football fan. One minute you're slagging your player. The next minute you're like deliriously happy. Um, now, fair play. That, that was a Jurgen Klopp win. You know, when you see James Miller line up at right back, you know, you, you, you're, you're dreading the game. Um, but that was what Liverpool's all about. And I think watching the first half against Rangers, you're thinking this is the end of the dynasty, the most recent Liverpool dynasty, I'd call it, you know, winning the trophies they won the last few years because they were so poor against Rangers again. And then the second half, they found something. Sometimes as a team, I've said this to you before, in the most unexpected times in a game, you're 1-0 down, you score two goals in two minutes to win it, you find something. And Liverpool found something in the second half that they took into the, the City game. 
And if they follow up winning the next two league games, they're back in business and they give themselves a chance to get to January. The biggest problem they've got again is, is the injuries. You know, Liverpool have, and I don't want to create headlines here. Liverpool have been lauded for their recruitment, and rightly so. Their recruitment's been spot on in so many areas. But the one area you could probably give them a real dig in is the injury prone players they sign. You know, and again, you look at Mielo, who came from Juventus. He's torn his whatever. He's out for four months. He already was one of those, again, I always got statistics. He never really averaged more than 50, 60% of the games per annum. Uh, Konate, who's a fantastic center half, and I actually love him. I think he's the best partner for Verge. Everyone was looking at him in Germany, but what was the big question mark? His injury record was horrendous. And again this season, he's just come back from an injury and he's missing again on Sunday. So that's the area you would maybe dig them out in and go, stop signing players who have got a history of being injured because that's hurting Jurgen Klopp. He, he's, what he's doing at the moment is a miracle. To win a game against City with James Milner playing right back, that alone is, is Jurgen Klopp time. You know? so, so it was the best I've seen Van Dijk. Joe Gomez looked fantastic, God bless him. Um, you know, I don't think Allison actually had that many saves to make. I can't remember Allison making that many saves. Um, obviously, VAR was controversial on, on one of the goals disallowed, but rightly so, because he, he did tug the shirt. Um, and Liverpool, for me, had the best chances. Um, you know, um, Jota had an absolute sitter of a header. You'd have scored that. Um, Mo Salah's missed the one-on-one. Darwin Nunes late in the game. Three times could have put one of our players in to have a tap in and didn't. Um, so that that's the Liverpool we all love. So let's let's see now. Arsenal right now will be like delighted. Yeah, they're four points clear now with um, their uh, their win at Leeds, which you know I enjoyed <laughs> seeing that. Run- yeah, <laughs> I watched the game. Yeah, I saw the highlights before, but listen, Arsenal could be ten points clear. Man City are still going to win the league. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know that's their first defeat away from home since Tottenham last year. I think it was also their first defeat in fifteen. I want to say. Um, in the Premier League. Man City don't lose a lot of football games. What did you make of, uh, so Man City now talking about, well, Jürgen was inciting things when he talked about, you know, the foreign ownership before the game and, um, you know, he should kind of keep his, his mouth shut. What do you make of all that going on? Is that just sour grapes? Um, I, Jürgen Klopp's entitled to his opinion. You don't have to agree with it. It's just like we keep talking about in modern day that, you know, everyone wants to cancel you for having an opinion. Um, I don't think he incited anything. I think he was asked questions. He, he made an opinion. He's not wrong. You know, teams with the kind of sovereign wealth that, you know, the clubs he mentioned, you know, if they're allowed and can spend the money, they can take it to a different level. A bit like, you know, PSG in France. R- very rare bar last year, the year before, is another team winning the title because there's so much wealth there. You just can't, you know, teams in, in, in the French divi- first division can't compete with that. And what Jurgen Klopp was trying to say is, yeah, look, Fenway don't give him massive amounts to spend. It's always like a very small net spend based on what he brings in. But it is difficult because a Man City can go out and buy a Belling, you know, and, 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 and write the check. They could probably go out and buy a Neymar, not a Neymar, but an Mbappe. And to compete with that is very difficult. So, look, Guardiola's a fantastic coach. He's the best in the world, but he's got the best, uh, the best players in front of him. Um, you, you know, would you like to see for 12 months – Klopp at Man City and Guardiola at Liverpool. You know, it would be interesting. That's all. And yeah, it would be interesting. To include Newcastle, and that's probably unfair because spending 200 million the last few windows, I wouldn't call that silly money. I wouldn't call that, you know, the Arab state flexing their muscles. I think it's a really well-run football club. I think they have a plan. I don't think Eddie Howe wants to see a lot of Galacticos coming into his football club. 
Um, so I don't think you can include Newcastle on that. Yes, they might have a group of owners that are wealthier than everyone else, but it doesn't always mean, you know, I've always said to you, Cronky owns Arsenal. And people don't realise, I used to listen on talk sport to people say Arsenal don't have the finances to compete. You know, Cronky spent five billion building the Sapphire Stadium in California. Yeah, he owns like 10 sports franchises. He's married to the Walmart daughter, who's worth like, she's the fifth richest person in the world. You know, the Cronky, and he has his own wealth. So Arsenal actually, by definition, could compete with those state-run clubs that, that Jurgen was talking about. But look, did he incite it? Did he do it on purpose? No, I don't think so. I just think there's a lot of stuff after the game. City fans were singing stuff about, obviously, Liverpool, you know, and the, and the tragedies. It's obviously a small, small minority. There were some fans throwing coins at Guardiola, apparently. Shit like that, a football has to stop. You know, it's a bit like the Ivan Tony stuff, you know, enough already. It's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. We're in the year 2022 and this is going on. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, we last talked about Steve Cooper, about how he was uh, up for the chop. And then I think the day or two after we recorded, he ends up signing a new contract. He did. Bit of a surprise. He had uh, Wolves then on Saturday, managerless Wolves, and uh, uh, Wolves beat them one then. That was a bad one. I hope, I hope he signed that contract because that was a bad one. That was, uh, I, I, you know, what have I said to you about young generation suck idiots running too many social media accounts? You know, you know when you see things like it was recently it was Halifax Bank, where somebody was telling clients to get lost over pronouns and having pronouns and cards, and, and you see some social media accounts for big organisations. The whole thing, my missus, they put some twenty-something-year-old gobshite, probably with pink hair and pronouns in their bio, in charge of this, in that social media account. And this is what's wrong with the fucking world. You're letting the lunatics run the asylum. You're listening to the three percent. Fuck the three percent enough already. And what's probably happening there is. I've seen the stuff in Forest. Was it playtime with the wolves or whatever else? Again, probably some young gobshites running that social media account who's just clueless of how stupid that is to to do that before a game. I, I, I would sack the person running my social media if they did that before a massive game. And that helped. Because it does help the Yeah, it's team. trolling. Basically, it's trolling, but it gives them something else to... Because they're doing it in the name of the club. Yeah, exactly. You know what? If you want to save stuff for after a game based on, on build-up and whatever else, that's fine. But to do that before a match, I'm sure Cooper and his players are just furious. I mean, look, nobody wants to watch that game back again. You know, the Wolves won 1-0. But, um, you know, again, like I said, too, too many gobshites running social media accounts for everywhere in the world. You know, a lot of them work at Twitter. So, yeah, you, you wouldn't agree, of course, but they do. You know, and, that, and that's the problem. So your social media man will not be posting memes before a match. If he if he did if he did that, if anybody associated with me did that, they wouldn't be in my stratosphere for much longer. You know me and my superstitions. You start putting crap like that out there um, before a game, yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd be sacked probably sixty seconds after it went live. You're just asking for trouble, are you? Really? Yeah, yeah I, I, just no need for it. You know, it's one it's one thing a Forrester one ten in a row, and you know they take the piss the odd time or do that. You know, but that was just silly. So I'm sure everyone in the forest dressing room, the manager is just like, don't need this at the moment. Just when things aren't going for you, and we've all been there, and you're in a relegation battle, and you're fighting for your lives, the stupidest things happen. It's, it's just unbelievable how bad luck, you know, uh, puts itself out there. And it's just a, a constant kick in the nuts. You know, when you just say the hits keep on coming, it is a bit like that when you're down there. When you're up there, things happen for you. It's like you make your own luck. When you're down there, you create your own fucking bad luck. So I, I don't know, you know, but anyway, moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, England's best striker at the moment. Yeah, he got another two 
um, well, England's best striker to be called up to a squad and then made to sit, you know, and do nothing on his uh, thumbs, which, yeah, you know, I think we covered typical. anyway. The only thing, the only, the only saving grace for Ivan with Gareth Southgate is Ivan Tony is your best defender as well as your best attacker. Southgate won't be, won't be dumb. You've seen that. If you want, and not only that, you've got one guaranteed penalty score. Um, but if you want to see somebody who defends in a box as leading from the front, that's him. And, but it was great to see the two goals. I saw it, there was a sky up to, there was a stat that came out afterwards. The last two years, there's four players have scored, you know, X amount of goals. It was Salah, Harry Kane, um, Clark Harris with 55, Ivan Tony with 54. I was a very proud moment to see that, you know? So, uh, all that shit recruitment. But, uh, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> you know, and, he, and he is now the top scorer. So he's got Haaland, Kane, and Tony, top three scorers in the Premier League this year. Yeah, listen, Ivan's on a different level. Just, I, I'd say this. Is there a better number nine at Chelsea? I don't think so. Right. Is there a better number nine at Man United? I mean, not that scoring the goals, no. So let me ask you the question. <laughs> if, if, you were, if you were Man United and Chelsea, you know, and you can go and, and write a check, for 100 million and buy a player from Holland or a player from France and Italy and give them a year and a half to acclimatize. Are you going to write a check and buy one of the top three number nines in the Premier League who's not even in the prime of his career? What do you do? Because right now, given the, I tell you right now, if Liverpool had owners that would write that check, I'd happily have them in Liverpool's team like that. Yeah. Like that. It, what's interesting to me is what does he have to do to get that offer? You know, because obviously he's scoring the goals. He's doing it on the, the field. Is it still the perceptions of buying English versus buying, um, you know, from overseas? Proof's in the pudding, right? The proof's in the pudding. He, he, he's promoted to the Premier League with a team that's not fancy to stay up. He's one of the top three goal scorers in the Premier League and a team that, again, is not favoured to be top 10, top 12 in the Premier League, okay? So now I'll ask the question again. Put him in Chelsea's team. Put him in Man United's team. Um, put him in Man City's team, put him in Tottenham's team, is he up there surpassing Harry Kane, Haaland with goals? I mean, you know, the eyes don't tell lies, all right? I'm watching this player and I'm thinking, my God, he's like unplayable. He is unplayable. And put him in a top four team. I mean, you know, everyone was raving about Jesus, you know, the 50 million Arsenal spent and everything else. And, you know, just put him in any of the top six... Newcastle. Newcastle spent forty million on, on on a young boy who's going to be a hell of a player at sport against Liverpool, you know. And, and he's twenty, he's three years younger than Ivan, I think he is, you know. But again, put him in Newcastle's team. I watched Newcastle against United on Saturday. Put him in that team. Newcastle win that game. Put him in United's team. United win that game. How valuable were those two points dropped by the team if they're going to the Champions League this year? Chelsea are looking great on the Potter. They still don't have a number nine like a Drogba. Ivan Tony is Chelsea's Drogba. It's Chelsea's Drogba. I'm telling you right now. You remember what type of player Drogba was? Look at Ivan Tony. You know, the physicality, you know, leading the line, giving defenders just nightmares, you know, everything about him, just the big goals at big moments, you know, a, a leader, a match winner. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to do. You go and win the Golden Boot at the World Cup and you'll still have, you know, a, a, a top six club go and spend 100 million in Holland or wherever else. I mean, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? So do you think he sees out the season then at Brentford? Probably, because I don't think a lot of clubs have 100 million in January to spend. Probably the only one would be Chelsea, if Todd Bowley has any sense with his people. And, and it's really funny because we tried to sell him to Brighton a few years ago when Graham Potter was there. And, you know, we had Baz try and contact the owner of Brighton, but he was out in Australia during COVID. I know he, he wasn't a happy man because 
you know, when he got back, he, he got the missed calls off bars mm-hmm. and nobody at the time that worked for him had said to him about Ivan and we were doing the deal. And, uh, and I know they feel like they missed out on one there. Um, so I'm just wondering, Graham Potter, you know, I think Graham Potter's going to do very well at Chelsea. He watched a couple of the games. I think he's going to be the next big thing now, the English management wise. Um, I think if Ivan Tony went in the Chelsea team, I think you'd have a serious competitor for Man City with the, with the, when I look at the talent Chelsea have and whatever else, I think that could be the next big battle with Arsenal. The next four or five years will be Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City. If, if Liverpool go out and for some miracle sign a Bellingham, you know, one more, then they've got a chance of being part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking at this next phase, the next three years and the age of squads, the, the recruitment they're doing. Man City are set up to go for a long time. Chelsea, I like the, the, the recruitment they've done. I like the players they have. They're missing the number nine. Um, Arsenal, I've said this for the last year. I really, really fancy Arsenal. I think I, I said, didn't I, a year ago, they're going to get top four this year. And I think they'll win the title inside the next three years. So get an Ivan Tony to Chelsea. And Chelsea will win the title in the next two years. My opinion. My opinion. And it's not about me trying to get a sell on. I just love seeing the, the, the evolution of that player. Love Love seeing it. Well, let's head into the championship a little bit. I don't know if you saw the Sheffield United game. 3-3 against Blackpool. I, I, I saw I saw the scores coming up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair play to Blackpool. I know. They were, they were down to nine men and still winning 3-2 right to the death. Fantastic. And it was like eight minutes in or something in injury yeah, time. Eight minutes or, in and then they were two minutes off for a fight after the full-time whistle. Yeah, and then Brewster missed a penalty as well, I think, in, in that period of time. And I mean, Appy Michael Appleton wasn't fancied and wasn't really wanted going back there. But fair play to them. They've made a real go of it. They've done really, really well. Um, really well-run football clubs. So fair play to them. Um, and I have to uh, you know, just call out uh, Coventry as well, getting an away win at Cardiff and um, you know, closing that gap. I know they've still got three, two or three games in hand. Coventry would be fine. Yeah, everything that happened at the start of the season. You kind of want them to get the points on the board from a confidence perspective, if anything. Uh, they would be fine. They'd be fine. They'd be great manager, great squad. Don't be surprised if Coventry are, are finish 11 12. Mm-hmm. You know, forget about where they are. Um, Burnley went top. So they had a 4 uh, 0 at home to Swansea, uh, knocking off Sheffield United. Let's see anything else. West Brom finally got some points on the board after uh, letting Steve Bruce go. Yep. And, uh, and it was another good win for Blackburn. Yeah, way at Middlesbrough. Yeah, listen, we have a nice little promotion bonus in there. So I'll have to be a Blackburn fan. <laughs> and, um, and Luton. I mean, I know I feel like we keep on mentioning them last year, but they're they're still doing it this year. It wasn't just a one season, um, you know, one season wonder. Delighted for Mick Mick Harford, one of my favourite people in football, and uh, Nathan just knows what he's doing at Luton. And um, fair play, I saw that early result on Saturday. I was just like, so that's so Luton, you know. And uh, yeah, very very good. It's interesting the championship, very interesting. Um, and then we look at the uh, League One. We've talked a little bit about League One. Yeah. Move on. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out to Lincoln for beating Ipswich because um, they've had a bit of a struggle this season. I think Lincoln. I think they've been hit and miss. I think when they've been really good, they've been really good. Like even when we played them and we battled them, they had chances. You know, they played with a high line. They're brave. They're fearless. You know, obviously they've got younger players. Um, that didn't shock me. Um, they, they'll do that to a few teams. So no surprise there at all. Uh, so moving on from League One then, uh, except to say Jonathan Clark-Harris is still top scorer uh, with 10 for the season. The sun is shining. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in League Two, we talked about our results. Um, 
Let's see what else was out there. So Doncaster sacked their manager today. They lost 3-0 at home. Sorry, 3-0 away to Carlisle. Seen that, yeah. That's that's a bad one. And that's that's if you're ever gonna sack a manager, it's after traveling to Carlisle to watch a loss. I've been to Carlisle. And uh if you're already angry about your manager and you go all the way there and get the boot. He's, he's, he's getting the boot he's getting the boot like one minute after full time, trust me. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. So look. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought they started the season well. I thought Lee Tomlin was involved and then he retired. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, this is, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, you know, what was interesting in the statement that was put out, they talked about results, uh, fair enough, but they also talked about style of play and the fact that, you know, style of play that had kind of been mapped out in the summer wasn't something that was being done on the field. And that was one of their reasons to make the change. Okay. I know when they played us, it was, you know, it wasn't a nice style of play. It was aggressive clogging it um not pretty to watch so it's interesting that you know as a as a board or a chairman we're kind of looking and saying i can put results aside i don't i don't want my football team playing like this yeah i mean i've i've fired managers for style of play and we were fifth so you know <laughs> I, I i understand i i empathize but obviously they're on a horrendous run as well so that hasn't helped um you know so it'll be interesting another job maybe I don't know. Does Darren Ferguson go back there? Yeah, you know, do you think he goes to League Two? I think he's probably at the time now where we're in early November and he hasn't got a job yet. That will be, you know, you start getting itchy feet. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Is there any any jobs in League One not filled in yet? Um, I haven't really. I've noticed a lot of comings and goings in League Two, but not as much in League One at the moment. So I don't know what else is. Uh, I don't think there's anything open in League One at the moment. In League Two, it seems I was reading today that um, Mark Hughes was appointed in March. Is now the ninth longest-serving manager in League Two. Eleven months. Eleven months. That's the career statistic. Being a football manager, eleven point three months. I want to say. Obviously, if you're a manager of some clubs, it's a lot less. <laughs> I won't name any of those clubs. <laughs> um, and we have Stevenage on top of the pile. Stevie Evans. Yeah, we Leighton in and Northampton both played each other. That was a nil-nil, so I was happy with that one. You still, you still harboring secret uh, thoughts about winning the title? Um, I think that top three has to be our goal. Absolutely, you know, really. and um, we're three points off that at the moment. I mean, we're only thirteen games in for sure, but um, and I think that Ryan would say, you know what, we just want to be in and around the playoffs for January, and then you know take it from there. But um, yeah. It's nice to be. It's nice to be at the top end of the table rather than mid table, bottom end of the table for a change. Very at least true. After the Very first few games, um, let's see any other interesting results. Grimsby won three one at Stockport, so that was a great result for them. Uh, we play away at Grimsby next week. Oof, not an easy place to go to. No, freezing. I'm glad it's not Boxing Day. Is all I me, me and my missus used to be get, get given a blanket when we went to Grimsby in the old days of League Two. You could smell the fish in the air, you know, and you just like sit there, just you know. And we had a great two 0 win at Grimsby. I remember Boydie scoring, I think, scoring two goals, and uh, it was one of them games where because we kept losing to your Accringtons, your Grimsby's. It was like, okay, now we've turned the corner. You know, they're the places you've got to go and win at if you want to win promotions. So that'll be a great test for your lot to see because Grimsby are just that long ball uh, throw-ins. We remember the Wrexham game last year. I just watched, obviously, on the, the documentary again, and Wrexham till I die or whatever. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting game. It's one of those places that has, has typically been quite good to us, but um, I guess we will see. Superstitious. You've just fucked yourself. I know. Yeah, put my it out fault. there. My fault. 
You put it out there. Anything goes wrong, you're going to be thinking about this conversation. <laughs> you know, that, so that place, talking about cold grounds, that place in Oldham, always the two that, but when you win, you kind of forget it. But at Oldham, we usually didn't do too well there. So it was usually freezing and a, a short way home, but a cold way home. How, how, there was no uh, non-league games this weekend, was there? It was all cup. It was all cup, yeah. Let's see. Just having a quick look just to make sure. Yeah, but the table at the moment, Notts County are actually on top. So um, it's going to be a cracking season. And it's, you know, it's it's not um, all cut and dried for Wrexham to get promoted, that's for sure. Listen, if he doesn't win the league with the money they're spending, he needs to tell you what, just good luck. They need to, then they need to bring Fergie back in there mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I'm watching the documentary about, you know, the money that's been spent, the investment, the the wages these players are on. They should be winning that league by 20 points, you know, with all due respect. It's funny, yeah, I talked to Beth about it because we're watching it as well. And, um, you know, none of this, they don't mention how much money they're spending in any of this. It's like, you know, it's like they're on, a, on an equal footing with everybody else. And, yeah, how many non-league teams, you know, spend 300 grand in January on a 32-year-old striker from League One and treble his wages? Mm-hmm. Like, with all due respect, do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, these players aren't dropping down to that level. You know, for the goodness in their heart and fair play, that's what it takes. And you was Natalie was saying, Oh, well, you know, maybe it's good they didn't get promoted because, you know, people are buying. I said, Don't worry, they will buy their way up the league. They will. It usually happens, you know, Man City, Blackburn back in the day, you know, people with money, here we come. You know, money does tend to change everything as long as the investment's consistent. You know, Salford, I think, gave up after a couple of years, but someone like these guys, they won't give up. They'll keep going because they're also, they're making so much money commercially now. You're getting 10, 11,000. You know, the, the, the money's just streaming in. You know, FX are going to renew that series and probably double bubble on the money. So you watch. They, 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 I said to Natalie, they'll be in the championship in five years' time. And they've got the catchment area to support it as well. Absolutely. Put all the crap aside about, you know, Hollywood and everything else. The fan base is big, you know, and, and you know, they're getting 10 and, and half of their stadium's closed. Mm-hmm. So if, if they get all of that redone, and I think they are getting it redone, they get a 15,000. So Wrexham, Wrexham, like I said to you, will rise. And uh, look, fair play if these guys do it and they stay there for it. So a couple of other points just to touch on this week. We've talked about the 3pm 3, 3 blackout before. Seems like there's been a little bit more noise over the last week or two about the AFL planning to offer TV, TV rights to streaming services. So every match is a match. Uh, Sky and some fans, it seems, are rumoured to be trying to block it. I don't know why would you, as a as a TV company, try and block the three PM. So you got the highlights to to show later on that day. You know that's why uh, I can understand if you're writing checks for billions. You, but at the same time, it's time we get it done. It's time to to release the beast. It's time to give people an opportunity. You know to make a lot more money. Um, depends. Look, the next TV deal should be bigger and juicier because now the streamers are at the table. You know, Apple have obviously spent billions on the MLS. Um, so they're now involved. Amazon are getting involved already with Premier League. Get Netflix to the table. You know, hopefully we can see a seriously. I've always said do EFL Plus and do our own streaming service, but I don't think we're we're there yet. But uh, I'm I'm not against the 3 p.m. thing being done away with. So you know, we've got so many fans who can't watch a game who live miles away, and we're losing revenue. So at the end of the day, let's do it. I know we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years, but an EFL Plus kind of thing. To me, it seems like a no-brainer, you know, because oh, you have this killer. you have this ecosystem of EFL supporters that would watch other games in the EFL if they were available to watch. Like, I would go, you know, if City played a one o'clock kickoff, I'd be looking for what game I can go and watch at three o'clock. 
or if we had a three o'clock and there's something on at five, then I'd probably be looking to see, you know, can I have something on at five? Even if it's just in the background, you know, I'd be watching. If, if you spend, I mean, I, I have so many subscribed services, or subscription services. I spend more on whether it's Hulu, Disney, ESPN. Uh, I do Apple. I do Netflix. I, do, I, have, I think I've got 11 because my kids, you know, that's not even including Spotify and music ones. So if the EFL charts, I don't know, 20 quid a month, um, you know, it would probably start a bit less, but get up to 20 quid a month. Um, and the TV deal, what was the last TV deal? I can't remember what it was that ended up going into our area or whatever else. Was it 100 million a year? How many people would need to sign up to get to the 100 million? You know, think about it. Not that many people. Um, you know, what's that? 20 quid, 5 million people? You know, on, on EFL Plus, that's just, you know, UK. What about the rest of the world who want to watch all those games? And it's a product that's wrapped up where you can see every game, every goal, every minute, multiple shows, multiple highlights packages. I mean, you know, we really could kick on to another level and there'd be a lot more money in it for everyone. Whereas, yeah, as an overseas supporter, overseas based supporter right now, you want to watch highlights, pretty much got to surf YouTube, you know, for the game I want to watch and go and find it on YouTube the day after. You can't, there's not even a highlights package. A highlights yeah, yeah. You can watch over here. You've got to use a VPN if you want to watch, you know, the one that used to be on Quest or the one that's on ITV or the one that's on Sky or, you know, because with all due respect to American highlights or ESPN, you do, you, you miss your English commentary. Like, yes, there was the first time I kind of like, I wanted the Sky coverage of the Liverpool game, you know, but I was stuck watching the one here in the States, NBC or Peacock. Um, but yeah, I mean, EFL plus, look, let's see what happens now with the TV things happening. And there's going to be a lot more money on offer, I reckon, at the table. So that's good for all clubs if we all earn more money. I'm just having a quick look to see if there's um, uh, any questions to cover. We have, um, so Martin on email, in the real world, if a person is not performing as expected in respect to a job description, you'd start at some point to performance manage that person. So if a player had joined the club and then showed to be totally disinterested or not giving what you'd expect, is there such a performance management route within football oh because well there is it's called a transfer list you know it's, it's you know unfortunately if, you, if you've got players who are on long-term contract you know you can't just say hell you're doing crap at your job you're fired it doesn't work like that um sometimes you wish it did but there's the other side of that that the players did really well and they think well i deserve to move to another company and you shouldn't be charged in a transfer fee so it's just one of them things football's a unique business isn't it um but look you know, when you've got squads of 20 to 30 people, you know, they're not all going to be performing at maximum all the time. You know, there's so much more to it. You can only pick 11 people. You know, I watch the NFL and the squads are 50, 60 people. You know, they start the season with 100 and they cut it down to 50, oh, 54 or 55. You know, that's a lot of people cut. That's a lot of people who lose jobs. You know, if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it. We'd all be in fourth and we'd all whatever else. So, and then you see some players with talent just unbelievable but they don't have the mental side to the game they don't have the hard work side to the game so it is what it is like i said earlier about posh and some of the players who haven't really shown for us yet just work your nuts off just work your nuts off get out there and work hard just do everything you can even if it doesn't come off everyone's going to appreciate you putting a fucking shift in now there's a question from sam who's a charlton fan and um you know sam talks about the fact that um you know there's been a bit of a change at charlton in terms of investing versus cost cutting and focusing on breaking even with the new owner since the new owner came in. The question really is, do you think it's possible in League One to focus on the cost-cutting and the breaking even while still being successful? Really difficult. At a club like Charlton, it's a lot easier than Peterborough because they've got crowds. Mm -hmm. Give me 20,000 people every week and I can reduce the League One winning side. 
pretty much guaranteed, even whilst breaking even. Because you've got a top academy, you've got the fan base that's allowing you the wage bill to be able to bring in talented players like we tend to recruit. Um, and you're able to sell the odd player and then reinvest that money to bring in talent. You could definitely break even. I've always said this, you could break even at Ipswich, you could break even at Sheffield Wednesday, you could break even at a Charlton. Any of those big clubs break even at a Bradford. As long as you're getting 15, 20,000 fans and bringing the money in, all the things that go with it, your academy, your transfer policy, you could actually turn a profit and be successful. Leeds did it years ago under Ken Bates in League One. They made $8 million in profit, and I think they got promoted that year. You know, you, you can do it, but you have to have the infrastructure to allow you to do it. It's difficult for me to do it with seven, 8,000 average. Uh, I'm not, it's not a dig at posh fans. Um, but give me 15, give me 17. It's what we, you know, new stadium, new this, new that, because that gives you a fighting chance. Um, I don't know the new Charlton owner. I don't know a lot about what's going on. I know there's a few years of ups and downs or whatever else. Um, but again, another massive club that's in our league. So it, it is very much possible to break even as long as you're in the upper echelons of big club. You know, Plymouth are, are, are you know, they're not defined the odds because they were a brilliant team last year that got unlucky at the end of the season. They built on that. But what Plymouth have done really well is off the pitch. They've grown their commercial. They've grown their tenants. Their, their facilities have been upgraded. You know, the new owner, or say new, he's been around a few years, Simon, and, and he brought other partners in. You know, they've done very well. And now the team's replicating that. And they're obviously in a really, really good place. And fair play to them. You know, when I bought Peterborough 17 years ago, Plymouth were 12th in the championship. And we were, you know, mid to bottom of League Two. So, you know, good-sized club. Yeah, and it, it takes time. But and, and you've got to make investments to grow that. This is something I think about at Bradford. A lot of people look at our crowds and say, well, it's amazing you get the crowds that we do and we get, you know, right now we're getting 16,000, 17,000. But 20 years ago, well, actually probably 25 years ago now, it was more like 3,000 or 4,000. So it's only investments that you make in the club and in making the football accessible and then the infrastructure. Stadium allowed you then to have the space to do cut price deals for tickets. So it's not something that happens overnight and it takes a lot of investment to get there. No, 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 no. It takes time to get to a place where your squad's really good. Your academy's really good. Your training ground's really good. Your stadium is, is, is getting better. And the fan growth is there and there and there. And that's, that's, that's what you need. So, you know, there's no perfect way to do it. There's some clubs will lose five, six, seven, eight million a year. Some clubs will want to break even. Every year in League One, there's at least one club that's up there that's, that's pretty much breaking even, turning a profit. You know, over the years, we've seen it with Yeovil, we saw it with Wickham, we, you know, where you think, okay, they're living within their means and they're, they're, they're surpassing expectation. They're punching above their weight, so to speak. Maybe not so much Wickham the last two years, but they had new owners and they've probably, you know, they've probably maybe had a bigger budget than before. But you always see that, you know, Burton a few years ago did it. And now those clubs probably made a profit when they did it, you know. So, so it can be done. But the bigger clubs in League One now, the more we have, the more difficult it becomes. And there are some fucking big clubs in League One. All right, well, our last question today comes from Derek, who is a posh fan in Columbus, in Ohio. Um, Derek says, oh, my, boy. Yeah, my local MLS club, Columbus Crew, recently sacked their manager. Do you think that, and he says Darren Ferguson, but really does any English-based successful League One or Championship manager would actually consider going to MLS, do you think? They'd piss us. I always see the level and I see like the, the games, the whatever else. And, you know, a lot of obviously foreign, I want to say South American managers go to the MLS and da 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 da. Any League One manager that's had success and won promotions, Darren Ferguson in the MLS would piss it. Absolutely piss it. He'd be a top five manager there. 
um, as would many other managers have been successful in, in League One. Um, and I don't know why more than don't try and get themselves placed in the state, even if they start in the USL and then work their way up. But no doubt in my mind, you know, Darren went into a Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, is it? Um, I would absolutely the style of play, coaching, training, would have no problem at all doing well. And I know he nearly a couple of times went to the States, you know, but uh, in my opinion, absolutely. It, I'm amazed more of it hasn't happened. Now, do you think that as a as you're looking to recruit managers in the future, would you look at somebody who took a stint in MLS as being a positive or a negative? I think it's a positive. I think, you know, when you look at Graham Potter and, you know, some of the pathways now, you know, the Potters of the world they've taken with Sweden and, and going out and managing four levels down in Sweden, they're... You know, I think you have to open your mind to it. And, and there's a lot of talented coaches out there. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind. If somebody come from, I know a really talented coach in the States, coaches the US on the 21s, does really well. Um, you know, I've always said to him, you need to get back to the UK because you'd end up managing and doing really well. So there's no doubt in my mind there was talent out there. Um, you know, just like I say, there's not enough British talent that's gone to the States. And what a great place, you know, as long as you don't end up in San Francisco or California and some of those areas, some great places to go and live. Or, or as, a, yeah. as an adopted Michigander, I'd probably add Columbus, Ohio to that list as well. But Derek's going to hate me probably. for that. <laughs> but he'll, <laughs> he'll understand why, but then he will hate me. But Well, that's Buckeyes in, Buckeyes in Michigan, right? State, that's the big game every year, yeah, isn't it? Michigan, Michigan and Buckeyes. Michigan uh, Wolverines and Ohio State Buckeyes, yeah. Correct. My, my friend's a Buckeye, and obviously I've watched that game many times. Yeah. So I think last year was the first time in 14 years Michigan won the game. Yeah, uh, and it's that won't been, happen this year. It's been a long time coming. Um, as a Michigan, as I say, an adopted Michigander. Um, so I've been to won't happen this year. Go been, books. Been to the U of M. It's one hundred eight thousand people in a stadium, which is incredible. Phil, every time I see a college game with a hundred thousand people and there's loads of them, I'm always thinking, I own a top thirty club in the UK or you know top forty or whatever else club in England, and it's like you're watching college games or getting. 12 times the crowd numbers mm-hmm. of most football clubs in England. It is absolute lunacy. I mean, millions they turn over. And paying, wow. paying multiple times the ticket price for the privilege as well. Oh, listen, people moan about 27 quid for our game. I think they're paying like $200 for some of these games. And they're fucking college student games. Yeah, some of the Michigan games I've been to, you know, not great seats, but you're still paying 70, 80, 90 bucks. And that was a good few years ago. Correct. So there you go. But anyway, anyway, on that note, we'll wrap things up again for another week. I hope we come back next week with uh, uh, having had a happier weekend. (laughs) Happier midweeks, happier weekends, a nice run. We both need 10 in a row each. That's what we need. That'll do. All right. Well, um, happy days. Until next week, everyone, again, keep the questions coming at hardtruthfootball.com slash contact for the contact form. You can DM us on Twitter. Um, or just uh, send us an email as well contact at hydrogenfootball.com until next week we'll take care everybody take care